All right, we'll say good morning. Good morning, good morning. We have incredible daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shirt. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating the shurim this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Samuel Pollock, Zechariah Ben Zechariah, and Annie Pollock, Dina Bas Rabdov. Art and Shari Miller for dedicating the shurim and joshua this month in loving memory of Art's brother, Ruvain Ben Bitzalel Verachel. And our week of learning sponsors, Gabi and Shane Cohn for dedicating the learning this week. Commission of the yard site of Shana's father, Avi Strimber, Avram Ben Kalman Eliezer, and our Dafyomi sponsor for today, Greg and Rachel Levitan, for dedicating the Shimmeration of the yard site of their cousin, Marcy Sachs, Masha Bas Shol. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families in the Chama. But with that, let us begin. A lot to do today. Today's Daf is Chof Gimel, 23. 23. But we are actually picking up Emir Tzashem on the middle of Chaf Beis Amud Beis. Mamish, punt the middle of the daf. If you see where Rabbeinu Hananel is in the margin, Rabbeinu Hananel is in the right margin, just go across right into the Gemara right there. Akola Mason Kulon. See that? Akola Mason Kulon. Rabbeinu Hananel, right margin. Is that true? I'm assuming we'll have the same basic pagination in this way. Right? Rabbeinu Hananel on the right hand margin. Go right across into the Gemara. Alkala mason kulan korea tefach. Well, say more hilchos avelus. In general, for when a person experiences a loss, they have to tear kriya. Kriya is one tefach. One tefach. A tefach is approximately a hand's breadth, right? Three inches. That is the size of the tear one has to make. When tearing for one's parents, one has to make a more extensive tear until one goes ahead and reveals the heart. We're going to see what that means is, first, it means in terms of layers you have to tear, but it also over here now means the size of the tear itself. Am Rabbi Avo, Micro. So Rabbi Avo says, what's the passage that supports this? Vayichazek David Bebegadov Vayikarim. David HaMelech grabbed onto his clothing and he tore it. Ve'inachizah pachos mitavach. So when it says that David HaMelech grabbed his clothing, the notion of grabbing, and when you grab something, by definition, you're grabbing onto at least a tafach. By the way, Shorach codifies that halacha lemaisa, that kriya must be at least a tafach. Next, listen to this. In general, when one experiences a loss and goes ahead and does kriya, so if a person is wearing 10 layers of clothing, a person only tears the external baguette. The external baguette. But for a parent, one tears all levels of clothing. And this will say again, also halacha Right, for any other relative, just the external article of clothing. For parents, every single level of clothing. They will say, I will, I will point out, this doesn't include something, let's say a woman is wearing for tzniyas purposes, right? The woman is wearing something like a shell or something for modesty purposes. She doesn't have to tear that, but she does have to tear everything else. Va'afir kosuso ma'akeves. But interestingly enough, if your person's wearing, of course, it literally means like a head covering, like a, like a kerchief, right? The tichel, one doesn't have to go ahead and tear that. So both men and women are chayiv in kriya. So the Gemara explains, Rabbi Shemel Allah Omer, Ha'isha koras asa tachton, umachzira salach areha, v'chozeres v'koras asa alyon. So both said, it's interesting, let's say a woman is wearing two, two layers of clothing and she wants to tear both. But remember, again, we have to be careful. Alts modesty, alts So what does she do? She can go ahead and tear the inner garment and then turn it around and then tear the outer garment. So that way, again, the two tears are on two, right? One tear is in the front, one tear is in the back. But ultimately, the tear that would expose her, anything that would expose her, her body is covered. So we'll say, this is an interesting case. To, to appreciate this case, one has to understand basically how Talmudic clothing was made. So we'll say, if you could imagine, it's very simple. Talmudic clothing, like on a shirt, a shirt generally came with like a, I don't know what the right term for it is, I guess I'll call it like a, like a neck slit. So in other words, you have the neck hole, right? But it also came with like a, like a, is that the right term? Like a slit, right? There was like an opening, an opening down the front of the shirt. See, here's the interesting Shaila's Hilchos Kriya. If I have a neck slit, is it enough just to what? 
tear the slit further down. So there's an easy way to do Kriya. Take the two sides of the garment, just go like that. Just go like that, tear it down further. So, or, or does Kriya have to be done on a separate part of the Beged? So the Gemara says, once again, it depends. On any other loss, if a person wants to tear in a different part of the Beged other than the next slit, one could do so. But if one just wants to extend the next slit, as a form of Kriya as well, that would work. However, they both say for one's parents, one has to tear the Beged somewhere other than the next slit. Or in other words, that for a parent, there must be an absolutely recognizable, distinct Kriya. So again, for any other relative, you want to extend the next slit, that's fine. For parents, ultimately, again, one must tear on a different part of the Beged. So the Gemara Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, no, no, no. And, and any tear that's not somewhere other than the next slit is just a waste of time. Right? It's just a waste of time. In other words, both sides. Because Rabbi Huda says the problem with tearing the next slit is that there's no recognizable, there's no recognizable Kriya. So if it's not recognizable Kriya, then ultimately, again, you're just wasting your time. My time with Rabbi Huda. Both say, what's Rabbi Huda's logic? What's Rabbi Huda's logic? The Pasik says that David HaMelech went out and took his baguette and he tore it into two. So the Gemara says, Once the Pasik says that he, tore, that he tore it, does that not automatically mean that it's in two pieces? Rather, what it means is that, no, when you tear it, the Beged must look like two distinct parts. And therefore, Rabbi Huda will say, therefore, the idea of taking the next slit, the next slit, and just going ahead and tearing it down further does not create a recognizable Kriya. Incredible. Says the Gemara, He will say, now listen to this. For any other loss other than parents, after Shiva, one is permitted to go ahead and stitch up the tear. Stitch up the tear, right? And I will say, but again, what type of stitching? Ma'acha means loose stitching. So you could kind of stitch it up, albeit in a temporary fashion. La'acha shloshim, but I'm sorry, ma'acha la'acha shloshim. But ultimately, again, you're allowed, sorry, sholel. Sholel means a loose, a loose stitching. So you could loosely stitch it back after shiva, and you could more formally stitch it back after shloshim. Al aviva al imo, when one tears Kriya for a parent, Shola la'achar lamid, you can loosely stitch it up after Shloshim, ve'eno ma'achali olam, but you can never re-stitch the garment. You are never permitted to repair, the, fully repair the Kriya for a parent. All you can do is loosely stitch it up. I'll also point out something so amazing. You know, we live in such a disposable society, right? So the, the notion of going ahead and tear, right, repairing the shirt in which you tore Kriya, right? Crazy. Like, who would ever think about such a thing? A garment, right? Do you have a person has a suit? They do, they do Kriya in a suit. Okay. It, again, we'll say we don't realize Baruch Hashem, like the affluence we live with, and thank God the surplus we live with, Baruch Hashem, on so many levels. But here, the Gemara says, talk about the halachas. Can you repair a baguette, which you went ahead and you did Kriya on? So pretty incredible. So we'll say, and this is also, all of this, by the way, is halacha lemaisa. So again, for a non-parent, for, for, a, not, for a relative who you're chayiv to go ahead and mourn for, halacha lemaisa again, loose stitching after shloshim, regular stitching after, sorry, loose stitching after shiva, regular stitching after shloshim. For a parent, for a parent, loose stitching after shloshim, and you are never permitted to fully repair the beged. So the Gemara goes later. A woman, if she tears Kriya for her parent, could loosely stitch it up immediately. Ultimately, so Rabbi Yochanan says, in general, when you tear Kriya, say, how do you tear Kriya? So Rabbi Yochanan says, if you want to do it by hand, you could do it by hand. You want to do it with a Kli. Kli in this context means what? A knife. A knife. You could do it with a knife. For a parent, one must tear Kriya by hand. By hand. Rabbi 
Shabbos is an interesting halacha, an interesting halacha. The idea over here is that for all relatives for whom you're obligated to mourn, you do kriya mibifnim. Shabbos saying that mibifnim could mean one of two things. Rashi says mibifnim means that literally, if you can imagine, you reach inside the baguette, you reach inside the baguette, and you tear from the inside of the garment out. The other possibility is mibifnim means in private, in private, right? Whereas for a parent, for a parent, Ultimately, again, the Kriya takes place mibachutz. Mibachutz, again, once again, can mean on the outside of the garment or in a more public fashion. So we'll say, I'll, I'll just point out, before we go back there, I'll just point out, we'll say, you notice a trend. What's the trend? What's the trend? Mourning for a parent is the most severe form of Avelos. And I will say, if you think about it, it's almost a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because the loss of a parent, as painful as it may be, is the most natural loss in the world of loss, right? What, what we, we, we always hope that it's children who bury parents, right? That's the, way, that's the way the world is supposed to work. If you think about the other losses, there's so much more unnatural. The loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, you know, siblings, the loss of a parent in the world of loss is the most natural. And yet you see again over and over and over and over that Chazal treated the loss of a parent in the most chomer dika fashion, right? It's dealt with more stringently than any of the loss. Rabbi Salavechik has a beautiful insight. And the Rav explains that as much as the loss of a parent is the most, quote-unquote, normal loss in the progression of losses, it's also the most traumatic loss from a, from a, from a, from a Jewish perspective, from, a, from like a ruchni perspective. Why? The Rav says something amazing. He says, our parents, our parents endow us with our first sense of identity. Right? If you think about this, when you're little, when you're little, so how do you identify, right? Why, what's your identity? My identity is I'm, I'm so-and-so's kid. Right? That, that's my identity. I don't really have my own identity yet. Right? Ultimately, again, my identity is I, I, this is my father, this is my mother. That's who I am. As we get older, we develop our own sense of identity. But the Rav explains so beautifully, there's always a little piece of who I am that is intertwined with my parent. You see, everybody thinks that Freud was the one who discovered this great, right, interlocking, you know, interlocking relationship between parents and children. Chazal knew it a little bit beforehand as well. So ultimately, there's this piece of my identity that is forever intertwined with my parents. And therefore, again, the Gemara explains, the Rav explains, that when a parent passes away, the child experiences a little bit of a loss of self. No matter how old I am, and no matter how accomplished I may be, and how much of my own identity I may have, when my parent passes away, there's a piece of identity that is lost. That is not the same with any other loss. Other losses can be tragic, but there's not necessarily a loss of identity. I lose a parent, I lose a loss of identity. And therefore, from a halachic perspective, from a hashkafic perspective, that is a traumatic event. A traumatic event. I'll just tell you, then we'll go on. The Belzer Rebbe says so beautifully, he says in the Pasuk in Az Yashir, this notion of the interdependency of, of identity between parents and children. The Pasuk says in Az Yashir, Right? This is my God and I will exalt him. Right? The God of my father and I will elevate him. So the Belzer Rebbe says that a Jew has two identities. There's Eloke Avi, there's the God of my father. I have a religious identity that I got from my parent. And there's Zekeli, and there's my God. In our life, we start out, right? What's our religious identity? Our religious identity is whatever my parents give me. Whatever my parents give me, right? And hopefully I accept in some level, right? There's whatever my parents give me. But the goal in life is don't just subsist on the God of your parents. Create your God as well. So you can't live life with Elokei You have to create also a Zekeli. Who am I? What am I? What's my relationship to the Rebbe Shalom as well? But I will say, but at least this insight of identity coming from parents gives us a bit of a hashkafic understanding in terms of why Chazal were most machmir with the Avelis for a parent. Now the Gemara adds in, V'chein l'nasi. Mourning for the Nasi, right? The Nasi is the head of the Jewish people. Mourning for the Nasi is of the same level of severity as mourning for a parent. So right? So the Gemara goes on. So they only equated mourning for this individual. We'll see this individual is with a mother and a father, except when it comes to repairing the tear. So the Gemara says, Does this not also include the Nasi? No, le bar mi Nasi. 
No, except for the Nasi. Ultimately, again, a Nasi essentially, the mourning for a Nasi shares all of the stringencies as mourning for a parent. So, I'm to listen to this. So, Gemara tells a story. So, the Nasi died. The Nasi died. So ultimately, again, Rav Chista said to, to Rav Hanan Barava, literally, again, turn over the mortar, stand up on it, and do Kriya in public. So we'll say, this is why I mentioned before that Kriya mi bachutz could mean one of two things. It could mean tearing on the outside of the garment, or it could mean tearing publicly. So here the Nasi died, Rav Chista tells Rav Hanan Barava, do Kriya in public. So the Gemara says, So remember again, we spoke about this yesterday, that one of the interesting, one of the interesting Talmudic morning practices they had was what's called the bearing of the shoulder. So literally, again, they would make the tear in the garment, they'd put their arm through the tear, and the shoulder would be exposed. So, For Talmud Chacham, you bear your right shoulder. On the Av Beisdin, left-hand shoulder. Both shoulders. Mikan Mikan. This is wild Gemara. Chacham Shemes. If a Talmud Chacham dies, base midrash batal. They close the base midrash. His base midrash, where he gave shear, right? Base midrash. Or Rashi says over here, it could also mean his talmidim. His talmidim don't learn. Don't learn that day. Av beizdin Shemes. If the av beizdin dies, kol bate midrash shebi ira betelin. All the bate midrash in his city. They close up that day. So the Gemara says, They enter into the shul. They change their seats. So we'll, say, we'll talk about this. Changing your seat is one of the halachos of Avelos. If you sat in the north, you move to the south. If you sat in the south, you move to the north. If the Nasi dies, If the Nasi dies, we close all of the Bate Medrash in Eretz Yisrael. Ubare Akneses, Nichnasen Abes Akneses, Tap of Chav Gimel, the Korin Shiva Viyotzin. So also we close up the Bate Medrash, and what do people do? People go into Shul, they do Kriya Torah. And I will say, what this is painting is an incredible picture. When the Nasi dies, essentially what we do is we shut down the Bate Medrash, there's no organized learning, and there's no organized Minyanim. People daven by themselves. The only thing that happens is people come to shul for kriya satora. They come to they come to shul for leaning. The Korin shiva, the yotzin. Right? She says there. Besever Torah the im mispalin yachab beisakneses elakol echad veechab beveso. Rabbi Shmuel Mekarcha Omer lo shielchol v'yitayla b'shuk. I will say now, don't get excited. It says Rabbi Yoshua. Yeah, the base medrash is closed. Fantastic, right? So Rabbi Yoshua ben Karach says it doesn't mean the base medrash is closed. Everybody should go out in Shpatzia, right? It's a day off. It's a Chalamai trip. Rather, no, Ella Yoshvin Vidomin. Ultimately, again, people essentially observe Shiva. They observe Shiva. They sit and they are silent. Ve'ein Omnim Shmua. Fine. So we'll say, I'll just point out something amazing. When you read this, right, it sounds so counterintuitive. Right, so I will say, what's one of the, like, if Torah had a mantra, right? If Torah had a mantra, what would the mantra be? What would the mantra be? Right? It's all Torah all the time, right? It's, it's you never stop. And I will say, isn't it incredible now that when these great people die, we stop Torah learning? You would think just the opposite, right? You would think like the greatest thing a person could do, right? The Nasi dies, learn more. The Abbasdin dies, add an extra hour on to Seder, right? The Chacham dies, his Talmidim should take on an extra. But it's interesting that we shut down learning. It's almost as if Chazal want to sensitize us to the value of people. You know, we'll say sometimes the great challenge in life is that we don't really value people. We don't really value people. And we don't really appreciate the people we have in our lives, right? And, and, and until, right, until they die. Until they die. It's, it's the great anomaly of the human condition and we all suffer from it, that we only really appreciate who we have in this world when they're no longer here. And so to a certain degree, to a certain degree, and, and by the way, what's also interesting is how quick we move on, right? Human nature is how quick we move on, right? So the Rebbe dies, the Rebbe leaves, so I'll get everybody's sabrach, and then what happens? What happens? Baruch Hashem, there's another Rebbe, right? There's another Rebbe. In other words, the, the Yisod is no one is really irreplaceable. I don't mean in your family. I mean like in, in the world. No, no one is irreplaceable. You have this one, you move on to that one, you move on to that one. So it's almost as if Chazal wanted people to, bless you, to feel a loss, 
to feel a loss and to understand what it means to lose a Rebbe, what it means to lose a Talmud Chacham, what it means to lose a Nasi. And the only way sometimes to experience what the loss is, is to stop the rhythm in life, to shut down the rhythm, to shut it down. Little Abbas, do you understand what this means? Let's see, have we ever seen a thing like this where you shut down Bate Medrash? We have, and I was, we, we actually lived through this, where Bate Medrash, but again, think about it, even when we did that, the learning didn't stop, right? No, not, not, nothing stopped, we never missed the day of Daf, nothing ever stopped in our lives. We had, we had a change of location. Here, this is a shutdown. This is a fundamental shutdown. Because sometimes, and I will say, it's an incredible hashkafa in general. To appreciate loss, you have to stop and reflect. But it's also an incredible muster in life. That will say, everybody has to have a time during the day where I shut down and I just contemplate and I just think. Because if you don't shut down the rhythms in life, you can't really, you can't really ingest what is happening around you. You can't process what is happening in your life if you're still doing a million things, right? As much as we like to think we can multitask, you can't. I could do a lot of things at once. I can't do a lot of things and think at the same time. To think, to contemplate, to reflect, to introspect, everything has to shut down. That's why in Hasidus, there's the concept of hispoditus, of just taking time to be alone with oneself. I shut down everything else it could be five minutes. It could be ten minutes. But let me just reflect on what's happening in life. That's the reflection. It's incredible. They know him. Shmua va'agada beisava. Both say we don't learn. We don't learn halacha, or even agadita, right? Even agada in a shiva home. So both say this goes back to the to the isra of Talmud Torah for the avel. So both say so. What you might point out over here is something amazing. It's not just that the avel can't learn Torah. It's that no one learns Torah in the base avel, right? Even if you're not the observer. Oh, so we'll see in just a moment. So he says, So what they say about Rabbi Chanani ben Gamliel, he used to say a Shmua and Agada. He used to learn, he used to learn in the Beis Abba. And we'll say, we know that Halacha Lamaisa, what we accept, we, we, we accept this to mean that a person can learn things that are related to Avela. So we do Mishnayis, because Mishnah Neshama, Hilchos Avelos, even other things that say Pirkei Avos, you could do, right? We do Pirkei Avos in a Beis Avel. And ultimately, as long as it's related to the, to the Mace, or it's related to the theme of self-improvement, because death is an opportunity for introspection and reflection, and therefore, again, you could do it in a Beis Avel. But say Avel, Shabbos Rishon, and Yotzei Pesach Beis Avel for the first week, I will say Vipashtos, the first week means Shiva. The first week, in Yotzei Pesach Beis Avel doesn't leave his home for the first week. Shnia, second week after the loss, Yose, ve'ena Yoshe bimkomo. He leaves his home, but when he goes to the shul, he goes to the base medrash, he doesn't sit. He doesn't sit in his place. Shlishis, Yose, I'll just mention, by the way, we know Halacha Lamaisen, Avel is supposed to change his seat. So Avel is supposed to change his seat. What's the pshat with that? So I'll tell you something interesting. So the truth is, the, the Bach brings down, Gesher Chaim, I think, quotes the Bach, and he says that it's like a form of gallus. Right? It's like a form of gallus that, that ultimately, again, death could sometimes be viewed as an onesh. So there's like a form of gallus. I've been exiled, which is always interesting because that presupposes that the death of a loved one is a form of punishment, which is sometimes a difficult pill to swallow. Because again, in generally in Yiddishkeit, we try to avoid things that say bad things are always punishments. It's a very dangerous theological approach, especially since it's often not true. I saw a beautiful insight. You know, there's a... There's a beautiful book written by uh, Rabbi Dr. Maurice Lamb called On Consolation, right? He wrote the, he wrote the one, uh, what is it, The Jewish Way in Death and Mourning. So there's a, there was a follow-up one, a second one, called something Consolation, On Consolation. Or Cons- and he, he provides such a beautiful, beautiful insight. He says that death, death is a disorienting experience, right? When a person loses a loved one, so they, they don't look at the world in the same way. They don't see the world the same way. Everything looks different in the aftermath of death. And sometimes it's so disorienting because the world looks the same, my friends are the same, but yet everything about my life seems so dramatically different. The way I look at life, the way I look at the world, everything has changed. So Balaam says something so beautiful. He says, when you have a makam kavua, when you, right, what's the power of a makam kavua? Power of a makam kavua is like you have an orientation. This is my orientation, right? I sit here, I put my coffee over here, I go out, I put my gimara over here, my talus is over here. There's a seder, there's a seder. 
Chazal said that when you experience loss, you have to mishani your makam. You have to change your place. Because when you go to a new makam, literally again, a new seat, what happens? Suddenly again, my whole orientation is changed up, right? It is mixed up. So says Rebbe so beautifully, Chazal were trying to give a physical form to what the Abel is experiencing internally. Internally, I don't know how to view the world. Internally, everything is different. So now Chazal said you do the same thing externally as well, change your seat. Incredible. So the Gemara goes back there. Third week, you could go back to your seat, but you don't talk. Revius, Hare and Bose, not talking goes back to yesterday's daf, Sheila, Shalom, and things like that. Revius, fourth week, Hare Yukichal Adam. You're like everyone else. You're like everyone else. Rabbi Hudomer, Bosei, which by the way, I know we have to really get through the Gemara, but isn't it incredible? I will say, fourth week, you're like everyone else. You know, Bosei, you know, sometimes the most difficult part of loss, you can ask people who've gone through especially traumatic or tragic loss. In the beginning, everyone's there for you. Everyone is around. What could I do? What could I do? What could I do? What could I help? Shiva, Shiva's over, less people. Shloshim's over, less people. Says the Gemara, fourth week, Hareyu kichol adam. You know, say, sometimes you don't realize that the best thing you could do for someone who suffered loss is not to make the Shiva call. It's to call them two weeks after they got up from Shiva. And, and, and to say, you know what? Everyone's back to their regular lives. And everybody assumes like, the devil just bounced back. The devil just bounced back. You know how many broken and shattered people there are in this world? See, the, the, the Shiva house was filled Right? The minyone, mamish to capacity, food coming out of 17 freezers. During Shiva, everyone was there and everyone assumes, okay, Shiva's over. You're, you're good, right? You're, you're good. And you speak to people who, who encounter dramatic and tragic loss, and the truth is, the pain is often most acute, not during Shiva, but it's the week to the month afterwards, and everyone has gone back to their regular rhythm of life. And the Avel is often alone. He's telling you the greatest thing you could do for an Avel is sometimes remember to check in with them two weeks after, three weeks after, a month after. Just want to let you know I'm here for you because the way the world works is by the fourth week, Hareyu Kichal Adam. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, no, no, no. You don't have to get into that in the first week you can't leave your house. That's obvious. Obviously, the Avel's not going anywhere the first week because it's Shiva and everyone's coming to the Avel. So the second, so I will say, listen to this. Rabbi Huda has a different model. Rabbi Huda's model, the first week is Shiva. But even the second week, the Avel's not going anywhere. Third week, you leave your house, but don't sit in your seat. Fourth week, first wide line. First wide line, 23. Third week, sorry, fourth week, you can go back and sit in your seat. The fifth week, you're like everyone else. This is an incredible sugya. I will say the halacha is, if you suffer a loss and are in mourning, you can't get married during shloshim. You can't get married, you have to wait till after shloshim. I will say, get ready for this gemara. Mesa ishto. So what happens if a person lost his wife? A person lost his wife. What's the halacha? Aser lisa isha acheres achiyavru alav shlosha regalim. You can't remarry until after the passage of three regalim. So I'm going to say it's two different halachas over here. Halacha number one is if you suffered a loss, not your wife. Not your wife. Person, right? Person lost another relative. Dalacha is, and let's say he's not, well, if it's right, it's, let's say he's not married. Say he's not married. You can't get married during, can't get married during Shloshim. We thought the Shloshim. But let's say there's a second halacha now. Let's say the loss that the person experienced was his wife. Man's wife passed away. The Gemara now says, you shouldn't get remarried until after the passage of three regalim. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says no. Regal Risha, Mishani Aser, but Shlishi Mutar. So Rabbi Huda disagrees a little bit. He says you have to wait two regalim by the third regal. By the third regal, you are permitted to get remarried. I will say, what's the pshat? What's the words? first of all? What's interesting about this? What's interesting about this is that regalim have nothing to do with Avelos, right? Avelos has standardized times. We have Shiva. We have Shloshim for a parent. We have twelve months. What do we mean three regalim? We'll say look at Tosis. An incredible, incredible tosis. Top of, on the left hand side is the second tosis. You see it? Listen to this. Listen to how beautiful this is. See, when a man has to go through Yamin Tovim without his wife 
As much as there is a biblical obligation of Bisamachta Bechagecha to rejoice, the Simcha is simply not there. What was well, listen how beautiful this is? What were Chazal concerned about? <laughs> Chazal were concerned about that if you get married, remarried too quickly, not too quickly, if you get married quickly, then what? You forget your first wife. You forget your first wife. And says Tosus, Chazal did not want you to forget your Eishas and Urim. Did not want you to forget your first wife. So it's interesting. That says, how do Chazal ensure that you don't forget your first wife? It sounds strange, but almost exacerbate the pain a little bit more. There's the pain of loss. And then you go through a regal, a yomtiv without a wife, a second regal without a wife, a third yomtiv without a wife, and the pain becomes so acute that even if a person remarries, at the end of the day, the first wife is never forgotten. Tosas then gives another reason. Inami, bamita. So it's interesting. Tosas gives a totally opposite answer. Right, his opposite answer is that we need a little bit of time to go by after the passage of the first wife, after the passing of the first wife, so that when he remarries, he shouldn't be thinking about his first wife when he is intimate with his second wife. So I will say, it's two opposite answers. It's two, uh, this in general, by the way, is, uh, is a different halacha that has to do, again, in the realm of intimacy, that when a man is with his wife, he's not supposed to be thinking about other women. So the idea over here is, especially if a man was married, right? And now his wife passed away and he gets remarried. He gets remarried. Chazal were concerned that when he's with his second wife, is he going to be thinking about his first wife? So I'll say, do you notice what's happening over here? Totally opposite answers, right? So here's what everybody, Gemara says you have to wait three regalim. You have to wait three regalim. Why do you have to wait three regalim? First answer in Tosis, because we want you to remember your first wife, right? Second answer in Tosis, we don't want you to remember your first wife. I'll say, no, again, it doesn't really mean we don't want you to remember, but what it means is we want there to be enough of a passage in time so that when a man forges an intimate relationship with his second wife, his first wife is not, is not primary on his mind. Incredible. So the Gemara goes out to both saying, some exceptions to this rule. Some exceptions to this rule. So we'll say, and if a person doesn't have children, let's say a man is in, is in Avelos, is in Avelos. Not necessarily for his wife, but let's say another, and he hasn't yet married. He hasn't yet married. So he doesn't have children yet. Ultimately, he can get married even during Shloshim. Even during Shloshim, in order to fulfill the Mitzvah Peri Varivya. I will say, by the way, this is incredibly important because when you have young people who are in Shiduchim, right, are looking to get married and ultimately, again, suffer a loss, one is permitted to continue their dating life even during Shloshim, again, in order to be able to establish a family. Say, listen to this case, a tragic case. Let's say a woman passes away, right? A young, a young mother, a young wife passes away. So now her husband is left with young children. He's also permitted to get married immediately. In order to go ahead and for the benefit of the children. Rabbi said, this is a pretty interesting story. One time Yosef HaKohen's wife passed away. And he said to his wife's sister, his sister-in-law in the cemetery, Literally, go and help your sister's children, which, which was essentially a veiled marriage proposal. It was a veiled... Now, now again, it may be Kedai to leave the cemetery first, right? right? But, but, but again, but Lamaisa, but, but, Lamaisa, this is an extreme example of this, showing you that Aloha Lamaisa, for the sake of the children, one is permitted to go ahead and remarry immediately. Even though, again, it appears that they married, they married somewhere right around, I don't know if it was during Shiva or something, they married her. However, he did, not, he did not have relations with her for a more significant amount of time. After Shloshim. So in other words, as much as, whether they got married or created or agreed to get married, Lamaisa, the marriage was not consummated until after Shloshim, which I will say is very important because Halacha Lamaisa, even though the Gemara pointed out this three regalim thing, we do not accept that Lahalacha. Lahalacha is that a person shouldn't get married during Shloshim. 
Should we get married during Shloshim? Unless, of course, if there is some type of acute need, either again, Bidl Peri Verivia or small children, then there are Heterim. But Lamaisa, again, the general conventional wisdom is wait till after Shloshim. Ten Rabbanon, Kol Shloshim Yom Megiyotz, Echad Kilim Chadashim, Echad Kilim Yishanim. Shabbos say, listen to this. Hayotzi Mitoch Amechabesh. Shabbos say, during Shloshim, one can't, now again, Gihotz means pressing your clothing. So I will say this is a general restriction on laundering that, that extends even past Shiva, specifically that one should not press their clothing, whether that's new garments, old garments that come out of the press. Rabbi Yama Rabbi says, no, lo asru chadashim Rabbi says, the only prohibition during Shloshim is to press new garments. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon Omer, lo asru chadashim levanim bilvad. So Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's not only new clothing, it's only new white clothing. Okay, Abai Nofik begarda de Sarbala Kirebi. Abai went out during Shloshim with a garda de Sarbala, which was a, a white garment that was old, an old white pressed garment. So I will say ultimately, because he passed in like Rebbe, the Rebbe said the prohibition of pressing is only on new garments. Rava Nofik Bechimutsasa Romisa Sumkasa Chadati. Okay, so Rava went out with a brand new Roman cloak. A brand new Roman cloak during Shloshim. So the Gemara says, Kerbalaz Rabbi Shimon. He passed Kerbalaz Rabbi Shimon that the prohibition on pressing garments is only what? On white clothing. And because this was red, therefore it was permitted. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, So remember again, we saw in the Mishnah that Shabbos, right? What happens during Shabbos of Shiva? So the Lashon of the Mishnah was Shabbos Ola. Shabbos counts towards the tally of Shiva. Ve'inam afsekes. And it does not disrupt Shiva. Says the Gemara, B'nei Yehuda, U'b'nei Galila. So we'll say there was Machlogus in the Jews of Yehuda and the Jews of the Galil. Hani Amri, Amun Beis, Hani Amri, Yishavelos B'Shabbos. Ve'ani Amri, Eina, Velos B'Shabbos. So I'll say, what was their Machlogus? Is there a velos on Shabbos or not? Now, both sides. Just to understand, if you look at Tosis, Tosis says, Chavkimolomadeis, first Tosis on top, just one line. Yeshav velos b'Shabbos, bidvarim shebetzina mayri kedivir shrokunjus. So both sides, now remember, let's analyze what this machlokis is. Everyone agrees that what? Everyone agrees that on Shabbos, there are no external displays of mourning. Right? Everyone agrees. So comes Shabbos, you're going to change out of your torn clothing, you're going to put on regular shoes, you're going to uncover the mirrors, you're going to sit at a regular table. That's what everyone agrees with. What's the machlokes? Dvarim Shabbatsina. Do private displays of mourning apply on Shabbos? So say, now what are the private displays of mourning? Can't learn Torah, can't bathe, can't engage in marital relations. Right? Those are the primary, those are the primary prior restrictions. Do those what we call Dvarim Shebitsina, private displays of Avilos apply on Shabbos or not? This was Yesh the Gimaras, this was a machlokes between the Jews of the Galil and the Jews of Yehuda. See how we go. What's a second line? twenty-three B. So the opinion that says there is Avelos on Shabbos, Diktani Ola. Because I will say the Mishnah said that Shabbos counts towards Shiva. Well, if Shabbos counts towards Shiva, what must that mean? What, what does it have to mean? That Shiva applies on Shabbos. Granted, it's not the public displays of Shiva, but it's absolutely the private displays. Right? Man domer ain't avelos b'Shabbos, but the opinion that says that there is no avelos on Shabbos, tiktani ain't mafsekes. Because what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says that Shabbos doesn't interrupt. Right? Unlike Yom Tiv, which interrupts, which brings to a close Shiva, Shabbos doesn't interrupt. So it says it doesn't interrupt. But Baba what? What do you infer from that? But, but ultimately, Shiva doesn't apply on Shabbos. It's just that Shabbos doesn't interrupt the flow of Shiva. So the Gemara says, it's going to eat to which the Gemara says, Mandam, right? Because if it was true that there was really Avelos on Shabbos, Hashta, Avelos Naga, if Avelos really applied, Avsuke Miboy, then ultimately would you have to say that Shabbos doesn't interrupt? And as well say, if Avelos absolutely applies on Shabbos, do you have to go ahead and make any mention that Shabbos doesn't interrupt? So it must be that Avelos doesn't apply on Shabbos. 
I, but what do you do with the fact? What does the second opinion do with the fact that the Mishnah says that Shabbos counts towards Shiva? And when you say counts towards Shiva, that certainly sounds like what? That certainly sounds like you observe Shiva in some form on Shabbos. I did the Kabbalah Misni Seifa, Enon Olin, Tana Resha Olin. Now, the Mishnah was just maintaining the textual symmetry. Since at the end of the Mishnah, when it comes to Yamtiv, you wanted to use Lashon of Einon Olin. It doesn't count towards the Tali of Shiva. Therefore, again, we go ahead in the beginning of the Mishnah, we use the Lashon of Ola. Mm-hmm. to the opinion that says there is Avelos on Shabbos. What do you do with the fact that the Mishnah says, It doesn't interrupt, which sounds like it doesn't interrupt, but it also doesn't apply. Mishum de Kabayle Mishnah Seifa Mafsikin Tana Reisha Eina Mafsikin. Again, textual symmetry. Since it wanted to say that Yomtiv is Mafsik, it says that Shabbos is not Mafsik. Okay. Leima Katerai. So we'll say, perhaps this is a Machlokes. So we'll say, so here's what we're left with. We're left with a fundamental Machlokes. Does, does Shiva apply on Shabbos or not? Let's go with what we agree with. Right? What everyone agrees with. What everyone agrees with, first of all, is that Shabbos doesn't stop the counting of Shiva, right? Shabbos will count as a day of Shiva. That, that we know. That we know. The Shaila is, are the private, and everyone will also agree, that there are no public displays of mourning on Shabbos. The Shaila is, do the private aspect, do the private mourning behaviors of Shiva apply on Shabbos or not? To which the Gemara says, Lemekitanoi. Maybe this is a machlokis tanar. We'll say, watch this. Misha we'll say, listen to this case. Let's say someone lost a loved one and the body is right there. Right? The body is right in front of them. So what's the You shouldn't eat in the presence of the mace. Right? So you should go somewhere else to go ahead and eat. Let's say you don't have another house to go to. Right? So go to your friend's house. Go to your friend's house. We'll say first wide line of days. You don't have a friend, or you have a friend, but he doesn't have a house. You make a partition. Right? We'll say the, the idea being it's inappropriate to eat in the presence of the mace. This has to do also with the concept of Loy Blarash, that in general, when in presence of the mace, we don't do things that the mace cannot do. It's the same reason that the person has to be careful to tuck in their tzitzis, right, when they are in close proximity to the mace because we don't flaunt, we don't put on tefillin in proximity to a mace. I don't, because again, that's, that's, that's disrespectful to the mace by doing things, mitzvahs or other things in his presence that he can't do or she can't do. So the idea of yours, eating is the same idea. So go somewhere else. You can't go somewhere else. Create a partition that's tent falchim. And eat. What happens if you don't have materials from which to make a mechitzah? You go ahead and you turn away. So essentially turn your back to the mace. So this way at least you're not, you know, directly eating in the presence of the mace. But I will say when eating, you don't recline. In other words, eat, eat, eat. If you have to eat, eat. But Lamaisa, don't make a, it's not a chavaya, right? Don't, uh, don't make an experience out of it. You can't eat meat and you can't drink wine. Now, I just want to point out over here, this guy in this scenario, right? What's his status? What's his status? It's what we call today in halacha aninos, right? So aninos is the period between death and burial. So we're going to see the shiva restrictions don't apply during Aninos, but there are other restrictions that do apply during Aninos. And most notably, an Onin is not permitted to eat meat or to drink wine. And that's, that's halacha lamaisa. So a person experiences a loss, that period between death and burial, no meat and no wine. Right? In Aninos, in Aninos, one is potter from all positive mitzvahs. Now, I'll say something in just a moment. Why is one potter from all positive mitzvahs? So there, so there are two conventional understandings. Right? The simple answer is, Osikba mitzvah, potter mina mitzvah. Since you are engaged, since you are engaged in the mitzvah of taking care of the dead, right? Levai arrangements, writing a hespid, getting the shiva house set up. So therefore, again, Osikba mitzvah, potter mina mitzvah. Ultimately, when you're engaged in the performance of one mitzvah, you're exempt from other mitzvahs. So also, Rabbi Soloveitchik writes in the Rabbi Soloveitchik has a series of, of essays of, on, on the concept of Avelos. And he says something so beautiful. He says that when a person experiences loss, it's natural that they're unhappy with God. 
it's natural that they're, that, that they're upset and maybe feel profoundly wronged by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Rav said something so beautiful. He said Chazal understood that, understood that dynamic. And Chazal understood that sometimes the both sides, the worst thing that you can make a person do when they're unhappy and angry with God is what? Engage with God. But also, you know, you ever have a fight with someone? Ever have a fight with someone? Ever have a fight with someone, a disagreement with someone, maybe a spouse or a friend or a parent, and what happens? Let's say it's one of those rare occasions that you're right. I'm obviously not talking about a marriage case, right? But I'm saying, like, like right, right, let's say, right, right, let's say it's someone else, right? There's one of those occasions that you're, and, and, and you were really wronged. You were really wronged. And the person, like, wants to come to apologize, and you're not ready to hear it. You're not ready to hear it, right? The worst thing that a person could do is what? Is what? Push it, right? Push it. No, I, I want to talk. I want to talk. I'm, 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 not, I'm not ready to talk yet. I'm not ready. I'll be, I'll be ready. I'll be, I, I know, again, I want to be a man. I'm going to be a big boy, right? I'm going to get over this. Fight. I'm, I'm not ready to engage just yet. I'm just not ready. So Rabbi Soloveitchik says something so beautiful. That's when a person encounters loss. Sometimes people get angry with God. And sometimes when people get angry with God, they're not ready to engage. They're just not ready to engage. I will say, what, what, a, what, a, what a life-affirming idea, right? That sometimes it's okay to be angry with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's okay to be angry. And Chazal said, not only is it okay, but Chazal are going to give you a little bit of a cooling off space. It's not a good time to engage with God right now. It's, not a, it's a good time for God. Maybe it's not a good time for you, right? You don't feel right about creating that relationship right now. So they, gave, they give you the exemption. They give you a little bit of freedom to pull back. Now, again, it's not for too long. It's only for Aninos, right? Comes, comes the Levi, you have to re-engage. But they give the ability just to pull back a little bit because it hurts too much to engage. So, right? So, right? You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't participate in a mezuman. Bein mevarchin alav, bein mezamnin alav. So we'll say you can't be part of it. You're not part of a mezuman. They don't bench on your behalf. They don't make kizimun on your behalf. Upatu mikriyashma, uminatfila, uminatfilin, umikol hamitzvos haamuras batora. We'll say, and you're part of from everything. Literally, an onin is part of from all mitzvos. Ubis Shabbos. So we'll say, but what happens if a person becomes an onin on Shabbos? What happens then? Ubis Shabbos, mesav. What happens when there's Aninos on Shabbos? What happens? What happens? There is no Aninos on Shabbos. So this is interesting, because again, especially if you go with the idea, the first approach, that it's a concept of Oseik B'mitzvah Pater Min HaMitzvah. That what does that mean, right? What does that mean? That halacha lemaisa, it's only when you can be actively involved in the needs of the deceased that you are exempt from mitzvahs. Well, on Shabbos, what can you do for the deceased? What can you do? We'll say nothing. Remember again, remember a mace, a corpse is, is, is muktzah, right? In fact, the only way you're allowed to move a corpse, Yankee, good. Loaf baby rule, right? Remember again from Smichas Chavar, right? So again, there are, there are ways you can go ahead and move a mace. Literally, again, put a loaf of bread, put a baby on top of the mace, right? There's a way, there's a way. To, but again, even the mace himself, even the mace himself is muktza. So let's say, so therefore, again, because there's nothing you could do for the dead on Shabbos, on Shabbos, therefore, there's no aninos. So therefore, Allah a person is chayiv in everything on Shabbos. Shabbos and I watch this. Rabbi Gamil says, Mitokshin is chayiv be'elu, nishayiv bekulon. Rabbi Gamil says, Well, once you're chayiv in these things, now what's these things? Kriyashma, benching, davening, mizuman, old brachas. Rabbi Gamil says, Once you're chayiv in all these things, right, you're chayiv in everything. So it's like, so, so here's what's happening. Obviously, Rabbi Gamil is coming around, and Rabbi Gamil is saying, He's adding something, right? The Tanakhama is saying that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, ultimately again on Shabbos in Aninus, amchayiv in Shema, Tfilah, benching brachas. Rabbi Gamil says, oh, once you're chayiv in now in those, you're chayiv in everything. So Rabbi Gamil is coming, coming to add something. What is he coming to add? Rabbi will say, what's the machlokes? The machlokes is as follows. There is a mitzvah of ona. Right, a mitzvah of going ahead and, and being intimate with one's wife. And part actually of the mitzvah of onik Shabbos, of enjoyment of Shabbos, is to be with one's wife. So Rabbi Gamil says, essentially, once you're chayib in all of these other mitzvahs, 
you're chayiv in tashmish amita as well, in marital intimacy as well. So the Gemara says, so both say, so this, what's going on over here? This is machlokis. Tanakama says you're chayiv in all the mitzvahs, but not in tashmish amita, not in relations. Rabbi Gamil says, even in relations. My love, what are they arguing about? Maybe the machlokis is, is there a concept in general of avelos on Shabbos? So the Tanakama will say, yes, yes, there is some element. There is some element of avelos on Shabbos. So as much as you'll be chayiv in mitzvahs, but no relations, no tashmishamito. Right? Rabbi Gamil will say, there's no avelos on Shabbos at all. So in the same way that you're chayiv in all these other mitzvahs, Ultimately, you're chayvin tashvish amita as well. So the Gemara says, "My love, I come the Gemara. Sorry, Yeshua avelus b'shabbos. Mar sorry, in avelus b'shabbos. Not necessarily me. My Dilma ad kamo kamar tanakama hasam elam yishum demesom mutalafanov." Now, let's say it's possible that the tanakama says the only reason you're not engaging in relations is because ultimately this is a case of mesom mutalafanov. Right? The Bible says let's be clear on the case. This is the case where literally, again, my deceased relative, whom I'm, whom I'm obligated to mourn for, is literally right there. And not, not like right there is like a metaphor, right? right not, like, not like my loved one is always with me. Like literally, right? The body is right there. See, that's the time of says, listen, to engage in marital relations in a situation like that is obviously highly inappropriate. But again, if it's a case of where there's avelos, but no mace present, Maybe even the Tanakhama would agree that there's no Avelos. Furthermore, again, Rabbi Gamil is talking about a case of Aninos, where ultimately, again, there's Avelos did not start. Remember, this is before burial. Maybe that's what Rabbi Gamil says, that there's no din of Aninos. There's no mourning on Shabbos at all. However, but in a case where the Avelos already started, Hacha Nami. Maybe ultimately, again, Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, ultimately Avelos would be Chasteh. For both sides, there's no Raya. As much as it's an interesting Machlok, it's for both sides. Here's what does come out from this Gemara. What does come out from this Gemara is that during Aninos, during Aninos, Oseik B'mitzvah, Patamina Mitzvah. Right? You're involved in the needs of the deceased, so therefore you're exempt from other Mitzvahs. What also comes out is that Halacha Lamaisa, there is no Aninos on Shabbos. What about Avelos? So we'll we're gonna, the, the Gemara goes on a little bit, a little bit more, but for our purposes for today, how do we pass in about saying, is there Avelos, is there Shiva on Shabbos? And the answer is yes and no. In other words, no, in that there are no external displays of, of Shiva on Shabbos, but Lamaisa, Shiva, the clock for Shiva continues through Shabbos, and what we call Dvarim Shabbat Sinah, private displays of mourning, remain in effect on Shabbos. Therefore, the Avel cannot engage in marital relations. The Avel cannot learn Torah. The Avel cannot bathe. Anything that's a private display remains intact and in effect on Shabbos. Kodesh Shabbosai, Shkoyach. All right, Chevron Zoom, good Shabbos, everyone. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Really good to see. Rabbim yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that stem with you? Different practices. Avelos, so much of it is minog, personal practice. Yeah. Good job,